When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. Sean is with uh, Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and uh, he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening. Sean almost told you you're part of Boca Raton, Florida, and from <laughs> from Hackett Financial. So, well, yeah. my reputation must be getting pretty good here, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, Sean's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Casey. Doing really good. Good, Looking man. forward to a long weekend where yep. markets, you know, my forecast is markets are going to be flat into Sunday night. So, <laughs> yeah, from after after we close today because they're not open. So I, I'm 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 sticking with that forecast. Yeah, no so, change all the way. No through. change. Yeah. Friday, I think we're going to have very 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 quiet markets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I think you're pretty safe with that prediction, Sean. I'm going to go go out on a limb there. Yeah, there's there's, there's sometimes oh. I get that green light, and uh, Friday, I got that. I'm feeling you, strong you about get it. That feeling, and you just got to run with it. You know, I'm running with it. You yeah. know. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the cattle market right now. So we have all this information coming out of um, out of the, out of the government and economic news about this, that, and the other thing. The last job support wasn't. 
overly shiny by any means. A lot of stuff are pointing towards recession, but the, the cattle market is just is the one thing that's just been holding in there. Um, you know, yesterday um, they started trading at 170 in the Southern Plains, and they had a high of 178 in the Northern market uh, on Wednesday. You know, so that's up sharply sharply from the last uh, week ago. Um, you know, basically April stuff finished. Um, in line with last week's average so i mean everything's just pointing towards a strong ultra strong cattle market but you talked a little bit about the august contract before we started recording so talk about that a little bit there's a difference between the spot price mm -hmm. and some of the deferred prices the spot price has to deal with what you just said the actual you know what's going on right now today the deferred price is trying to figure out what's going to happen two months from now three months from now so it, it you know I like to look, you know, I'm not a big chartist, but there's, it's it's important, especially when you're testing all-time highs. So if you look back on the August contract, Casey, going back to the high, the all-time high we set in 2014, we pretty much hit a high of about 160-ish and change. And we marginally broke above it. And now we're, you know, as of yesterday's close, slightly below it. That's either, we're either going to launch this thing into a wild vacuum to the upside in a spike trade to new all-time highs where anything goes, anything's possible, you know, when a market gets into what we call uncharted territory, or it's going to close back down and fail to break out. And if it does that, then it tends to then have a waterfall decline um, from that point and, and have a, a, a significant setback before the market may regroup and give another go at that all-time high. Just looking at all the different markets and all the, you know, whether it was the hog market or the milk market or cotton, we've seen, you know, demand, demand, boom, falling off, demand, demand, boom, falling off. And it just all of a sudden collapsing the demand. And I just, you know, it looks like obviously cattle will be the last one to see this, but usually they always get around to circling the wagons to every market. And I feel looking at the economic data that we're seeing, the significant acceleration to the downside, I just feel that we're going to see that drop down in demand finally and the august contract is going to break down below you know significantly break down below 160 and indicate a failed breakout attempt and if that happens then we could have our first serious significant correction into that may june time frame before we would set it low and then work our way uh you know back to the highs i'm ultimately am expecting all-time highs to be met i am expecting a wild move to the upside to all-time highs later in the year but i think it's too early with the demand and the kind of supply we still have out there i think it's too early to expect that to happen now and the fact that we've gotten to this high and we paused it was telling me that you know maybe the market's telling us you know we're, we're, we're running out of gas so weekly closes even though this is a short week tend to be important um so we'll be watching today's close and see if we can close above or below it. But I would really watch this 160 area on the August contract. I think how this market resolves itself here over the next few weeks will really determine whether it's ready for prime time right now to go higher or we're going to have a big spring break. My guess is with everything that I see, a spring break is coming. And I've been advising my livestock producers to get themselves protected to the downside here into June. Um, you know, let's say you know June, July. Uh, and make sure they don't get caught with um, having to sell cattle at a significant discount to where they are today. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're still seeing cattle numbers, you know, go through slaughter. We're still seeing, you know, big numbers. They were still fighting through this 
uh, herd reduction that we've been seeing over the last two or three years now um, at, at full steam. Um, so I guess how, how's that playing into what you're talking about? Well, you know, look, there, there's enough supply coming in right now, even though we know the long-term numbers are going to continue to fall, that if we get that break in the consumer demand for, for beef, you know, we, we, we will have a quick knockdown. I mean, meaning it's like we're not really seeing the slaughter rates dramatically lower from a year ago um, to the point where demand, we think later in the year, you can have weak demand and it really won't matter because right. the slaughter rates are going to be down so much. It, it's still not going to be enough. I don't think we're there right now. This is the ideal window for a big break in the market when you transition from, you know, uh, holiday demand and before you get into the grilling season. So it's, you know, time will tell the market has to tell us what it's going to do, but you know, our, our smart money algorithm, just everything economics. I just feel that that's the likely scenario and I'd rather be safe than sorry. These are prices that work for cattlemen. They need to bring money home on the farm. They need to make sure they don't get caught selling 10, 10 cents down on the on the cattle. And they just got to be careful. There's no reason There's no reason to be a hero for the next three or four months. I think you just want to take the money home. Yep. So, yep. Excuse me. Okay, sounds good. All right, let's jump over and talk about milk for a minute. So we, we talked about milk uh, last week sometime, and you'd talked about a, a confidence in traders report that had some technical problems where people hadn't, known what was going on for a couple of weeks and then it you know got fixed and the price of milk bounced back from in the 17s up into the 20s and it looks like it settled back down into the to the mid 18s now sean so um as you look at the milk market right now you're still playing with some numbers there that are not um not profitable and a lot of folks are struggling with the with what they're doing in production wise so i guess talk a little bit about that chinese demand has to come back for the milk market to have a, a- sustainable move to the upside and we just have not seen it yet casey well we're you know the first quarter has just been miserable for demand from china for just about everything just because they've gone through this finally abandonment of zero covid and they really haven't come out of it and most of the demand that everyone expected to see has not happened yet or or it's been slow to come now we do believe as we get further on to the second quarter we'll start to see that demand we look for the gdt auctions which is the global cash auctions for dairy that are done every two weeks out of New Zealand that t- give you a, a benchmark for milk powder, butter, cheese, whole milk powder, dry whey, these kind of things. And it had a terrible auction this past week. And it's really indicative. The auctions are really indicative of Chinese demand for dairy. And it's just not there yet. So I think it'll come. Um, I think it'll come you know, out of nowhere. Uh, but t- but that's why the market is is pausing to go higher because it's just not seeing it yet so everywhere we look production is uh, flat to down it's going to get worse no one's making any money um and that sets up a bullish scenario for later in the year but it's still you know two steps forward you know one and a half steps back and that's really not what dairymen want to hear but that's the market we're in but i think we will claw our way out here in the second quarter and i mean claw our way out but i think the the exciting times are, are, are going to have to wait until the second half of the year when China really comes out of this uh, lockdown and the Chinese people really start getting confidence again. And those trillions of dollars that they saved up from almost three years of lockdown get put into buying things. And, 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 and you know, it's going to happen. It's just it's just going to take a little longer 
than maybe the market would like to see here in the dairy market, at least. And that's what also concerns me, you know, when we look at, um, you know, other markets like uh, meat proteins and specifically beef, you know, I, I wonder and, and feel that, you know, with this, with the oversupply of pork that we now have in China because of African swine fever, we might see some weaker exports, U.S. exports out to them. And that might be another reason for the cattle market to come down. So, yep. Okay. All right. As you're looking through um, what's going on in, um, we talked about energy the other day, but I want to want to go back and revisit that. So if you're looking at energy now, you're starting, you know, obviously we're headed into summertime. Um, one of these days it'll get warm again and we'll, <laughs> winter will stop and we'll, we'll go through there and look at what's, what's going on there. But if, you know, right now we've got gasoline at all, you know, five months highs. Um, as you look through, um, what's coming down the pike there on the energy side. How do you think this affects the natural gas side of stuff? Um, you've seen natural gas go to really some all-time lows right now, but as you're looking at natural gas, Sean, what are your thoughts there? Natural gas is, is, you know, is just, is being given, given away right now. So that is an, you know, a, a tremendously mispriced market in the intermediate to longer term. Crude oil has been artificially pumped up, as you know, from OPEX, reduction of production yep. there trying to force a market higher when we're going into an accelerated global recession tends to be not a good idea meaning that if you increase people's energy costs when they're already hurting it right. tends actually to, to cause a reversion back down so while we think the crude oil market you know is probably in the in the bottoming phase i don't believe this is the beginning of a track move to the upside based upon OPEC forcing the market higher. I actually think we're going to roll back over and test the lower end of the trading range, meaning I think we've established a trading range market. I think natural gas is in the process of developing a, a significant low, meaning that you know that's a that's a market that is at such an unbelievable economic low level uh, for the world that I think whatever everyone in the world is going to try to buy anything related to U.S. natural gas derivatives, whether it's buying fertilizer, whether it's buying um, chemicals, whether it's buying you know, LNG. It's just so undervalued that I think that that's a place where demand actually can improve, even if the economy continues to accelerate to the downside. To the extent that crude oil remains, let's say, in this $70 to $80 area, it's not going to induce any increased production here in the U.S., meaning there's no one's going to go out and increase production because crude oil is $78 a barrel. If anything, it's going to be flattened down, which means any uh, offshoot natural gas production that is generated from fracking for crude oil isn't going to be there. So on the margin, that means less supply coming from those wells that are going for crude oil that throw off the natural gas as a byproduct. So overall, um, I think it's more of a flat sideways trading market for crude and i actually think natural gas is is ready to turn itself up you know as we get into the uh the the uh, the, the the summertime heating cycle and, and just it's just a, a a market that is set up for a significant turn to the upside so you know i think energy as you know i, mean, I would hold off at, at the moment in crude oil and crude oil derivatives i think you know i'd be more interested in looking at hedging and physical purchases on the lower end of let's say the low to mid seventies on crude oil, but natural gas, I just think you just need to be locking as much as you can 
one to two years out. I just think anyone that's not locking in natural gas and natural gas byproducts, propane, you name it, you know, they're going to be wishing they had. So right on. Okay. All right. Last thing here, Sean, I know you got to get going. So I'll um, ask one last question. Cotton has fallen about 77 cents since May of last year when it was as high at 158. Today, it looks like we're down about 81 cents. Um, obviously, it's an uh, uh, indicator of uh, what's going on in the overall economy. You start looking at cotton. Again, China has a lot to do with that as well. So looking at the cotton market, Sean, what are your thoughts there? Well, you know, whenever you're dealing with a cyclically sensitive commodity like cotton to the economy, um, there's times where you worry about demand. There's times where we worry about supply. The time that demand can win out is when you're not in during the growing season, when you're in between growing seasons, like we are now. That's where people say, oh my gosh, demand is terrible. It's going to, you know, it's going to zero. It's terrible. We're never going to see demand ever come back. And that's keeping this market depressed. And it may keep it depressed for a little while longer. But once we get into the heat of the planting season, you know, later on in April, into May, and we start getting into the growing season, then Mother Nature, the supply side of the equation, starts taking precedent over the demand side of the equation. And then people more worry about what supply going to be and how's that going to interact. And they let that determine their emotions and their psychology towards the marketplace. So I kind of feel that maybe there's one more move down here, kind of a retest of the lows or, you know, that mid 170s area that that mid 70s area that we've been at um, into mid late April. But I think once we get beyond that, the market's going to look at how low the acreage is going to be, how many of those acres in Texas are going to be abandoned because of severe drought, which we continue to have there, what kind of yield are we going to have? And, you know, demand is not going to zero. There's, a, there's going to be demand out there. And so I think that as the market worries about production and the supply side, we can see a rally in the market um, as we get into the uh, late spring, early summer timeframe. So, you know, I kind of, if I'm a physical buyer of cotton, I kind of want to be eyeing that 75 cent area on the December contract for kind of protecting my upside price risks as we go into the summer growing season. Okay. Well, Sean, good stuff there. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Hacka Financial. What's the best way to do that? I can look at our Twitter page at Faradex11, our LinkedIn page by searching Sean Hackett or Hacka Financial Advisors. Or go to our website at hackettadvisors.com. We post from time to time interviews and um, that go over a lot of these climate cycles and capital flow cycles and fundamental cycles that we follow to give some of our long-term price forecast that people can stay abreast with what our thinking is. Right on. Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, podcast. Uh, thanks, podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> thanks, Casey. I'd <laughs> love to be on your podcast. Right on. Have a, uh, have a blessed Easter, sir. Have a good one. <laughs> you too, Casey. Thanks. Bye. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. And you can go over and see the video version of this over at the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron, Iron related. And go see uh, the information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Uh, all the registration information is there as well as speaker information and breakout sessions, which will be posted here directly. So, um, if you need more information about that, send me an email at moving iron podcast on moving and I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as possible. So, with that, I'm Casey Seymour, we're Sean Hackett. It's gonna be smart, folks. Out Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. 
Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's IronComps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.